this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our help cometh from the Lord this morning, the creator of heaven and earth. Amen, amen. Thank you, choir. Praise the Lord. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. I just ask that you stand to your feet as we go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Amen. How many of you know that we just need his anointing to be upon us? Amen. I thank you that he's already here, but now we need his anointing to bring forth the word and to receive the word. Amen. But Father God, we thank you this morning that our help cometh from the Lord. We thank you that our help doesn't come from the hand of man, but our help comes from the strong right arm of God. So this morning, Father God, one more time, we confess our need for you. We ask that your Holy Spirit, Father God, would reside upon every single one of us that are in your house. God, I confess my need for your anointing, my need for the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon me. God, I pray that you would touch my mind and touch my lips, touch my body, Father God, that I might have the strength to bring forth the power of your word this morning. And I pray that you would reside upon every listener this morning. God, that you would come against every hindering spirit and every distraction. And that you would allow us to receive with gladness the seed of salvation, Father God, upon our souls. We just pray that you would have your way this morning so that you would be glorified, so that you would be high and lifted up, and that your train of glory would fill this place. We thank you, Father God, that we don't have to wait till next week to receive a touch from you. We don't have to wait till next week to be set free. We can be set free this morning. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, the title of my message is, Are You Singing on the Stormy Side of the Sea? I know it's a long title, but I believe it's what God wants to teach us this morning, church. He wants us to he wants to teach us how to sing on the stormy side of the sea. He wants to teach us how to sing when things don't just seem to be going our way. He wants to teach us how to sing when we face difficulty and we face trying times and we face hardship in our lives. He wants to teach us how to sing when the enemy is charging and when it seems like he's wrapped in around us. And he wants to teach us how to sing in the midst of the storm. Amen. When the odds are against us and when it seems like our situation is hopeless. How many of you want to know how to sing in that kind of situation? Amen. You see, it's easy to sing once God brings us over. It's easy to sing once he brings us through. It's easy to sing once the flood has receded and once the storm has passed us by. It's easy to sing once the fire has gone out, but God wants to teach us how to sing on the stormy side of the sea this morning. It's easy to sing when the enemy has been defeated. It's easy to sing when you see the head of Goliath held up high in the air. But it's difficult to sing when you see the enemy marching against us. But that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do this morning. He wants to teach us how to sing on the stormy side of the sea. In the book of Exodus, Israel finds itself in this exact situation. They find themselves on the stormy side of the sea. In Exodus chapter 14, Israel had just been delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. They're on their way to the promised land and they find themselves stuck at the Red Sea. The Bible says in verse 9 that the Egyptians, 
all of Pharaoh's horses, all of his chariots, all of his horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the Red Sea near Pi Hahiroth, opposite Baal Zephon. I want you to understand, as far as the Israelites were concerned, all hell broke loose against them on that day. You need to remember that, that Pharaoh brought all of his troops, all of his horses, all of his chariots, all of his skilled soldiers. He didn't leave anything behind. He didn't leave any horses in Egypt. All hell, uh, all hell broke loose against the Israelites at the camp near the Red Sea. And I believe with all of my heart that some of you are here this morning and feel like you're in that same exact place. You feel like all hell has broken loose against you. You feel like the devil and every single one of his demons has pressed in behind you and got you wrapped in. Got you in a situation where it seems hopeless and it seems like there's no way out. And I want you to understand this morning that God has brought you there to sing. God has brought you there not to put down your head, but to lift up your eyes into the hills from whence cometh our help because our help comes from the Lord the creator of heaven and earth but what we find the Israelites didn't have a song in their heart they didn't have a dance in their step they didn't have a clap in their hands because they had not yet learned how to sing on the stormy side of the sea the Israelites found themselves trapped church you all know the story they were pressed in and they were cornered on every side They were overwhelmed by the odds that had stacked up against them. The Red Sea was standing before them. Impassable mountains rose up on both sides and Pharaoh's army was wrapped in behind them. This was the situation they found themselves in. And as you've probably heard a hundred times, because that's probably how many times you've heard this word, it seemed like there was no way out. It seemed like they were in an impossible situation. But how many of you know we serve a God that does impossible things? Amen. How many of you know that? That God can make a way where there is no way. How many of you know, church, that with God all things are possible? Amen? There's nothing too difficult for our God. How many of you believe that if God is for us, no one can stand against us? How many of you believe this morning, church, that there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper? The problem was the Israelites forgot that. The Israelites forgot that God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. They forgot the God that worked miracles on their behalf in Egypt. They forgot all about the wonder-working power that brought them out from under the hand of, of bondage and under the hand of slavery. They were standing at the Red Sea and they forgot the power of God. They forgot that God was Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts and the Lord of armies, who would fight on their behalf. He fought for them in Egypt and he would fight for them again the Red Sea. I believe some of you have forgotten this morning how great is our God. I think in the midst of your storm and in the midst of your trial and in the midst of the devil coming upon you, that you have forgotten that what God did for you yesterday and what God did for you last week and what God did for you last year, He can do for you again today. Amen. And He'll do it for you again tomorrow because it's the power of our God. In Exodus 14, it seems as if God actually led his children to, into a crisis. In Exodus chapter 14, it actually seems as if God allowed his children to be surrounded by difficulty. And the truth is, he did, church, because sometimes God does that. 
Sometimes God brings us into difficulty. Sometimes God brings us into a valley. Sometimes God brings us into a place where it's uncomfortable, church. He'll bring us into a place like that where we are pressed in on every side. Sometimes God will put us up on the potter's wheel and he'll begin to press on us and he'll begin to pound on us and he'll begin to put some pressure on us. He'll begin to twist us and mold us and make us, church, so that we can become transformed into a vessel of honor, that we can become fit and ready for every good work so that we might become a vessel that is profitable unto the master. You see, sometimes God brings us into a valley and he puts us through a time of testing so that we can be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can obtain the likeness of his son. You see, the reality is sometimes God will lead us into the valley of Elah where David went just to teach us how to fight. Sometimes God will lead us into a dark place just to teach us how to walk by faith instead of walking by sight. You see, sometimes, church, God will lead us into a lion's den to teach us how to pray. Sometimes he'll teach us to a, uh, he'll lead us to a Jordan River where he can teach us how to step in and stand firm like Joshua did. We need to understand that sometimes God will lead us into a fiery furnace just so we can learn that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Amen, church? And that might be where you are this morning, pressed in on every side. But I want you to understand God's got you there to teach you something. God's got you there to transform you into the likeness of his son. He's not brought you there to destroy you. He's brought you there to develop you. He's not brought you there to devastate you. He's brought you there to mature you and to conform you into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. God doesn't lead us somewhere to destroy us. He leads us there to develop us, church. And it's what he was trying to do with the children of Israel. Sometimes God will bring us to the Red Sea just to see if we can sing on the stormy side of the sea. And that's where he brought the children of Israel He brought them to a place where they began to doubt and he brought them to a place where they began to wonder just like we often do. God will bring us into a valley. God will bring us into a trying time and we wonder why God has brought us there. We think it's some strange thing that's happening in our life. We, we, we don't, we don't understand. We're surprised when God brings us into a place like that. But I want to remind you of first Peter chapter four verses 12 to 13 when he says, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal deal that has come upon you for your testing. You see, sometimes these things come all the time. They come for our testing, not for our uh, destruction, but for our testing. He says, don't act as if something strange were happening to you because I've brought you here to develop you. I've brought you here to build you up in the most high faith. I've brought you here to build some confidence and some hope and some trust in God. Because listen to me, uh, Paul also says, the word also says that, that when he brings us into times of testing, those trials produce endurance and endurance produces godly character and godly character produces a confident hope of salvation you see the reality is once you've gone through a valley and you've come back up you come out a little stronger you come out a little bit more faithful you come out a little bit more trusting and a little bit more confident in the power of God when you go through it a second time and you come out you come out stronger again you see God leads us to these places to build up our confidence in God. 
You want to you want to you want to learn what it means to be confident. Allow God to take you through a valley. Allow him to build up a confident hope of salvation in your life. But this is where Israel was at the Red Sea. They were surprised. They thought it was strange that God would actually bring them to the place that they were in. They thought it was strange that God would deliver them from Egypt just to pinch them in at the Red Sea. They thought it was strange and couldn't figure it out. The Red Sea, like I said, was before them. The mountain on both sides around them. Pharaoh and his his iron chariots and his skilled soldiers were marching in and wrapping around them, church. And what did the people do? Did they sing? No. Did they rejoice? No. Did they lift up a hand in praise? No. They panicked. They feared. They went into a tizzy. And it's a natural thing that we do, church. I want you to understand that fear is a natural reaction when we forget that we have a supernatural God. Fear and panic and worry and doubt and depression is a natural reaction when we forget that we have a supernatural God. When we forget that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Holy One of Israel, Jehovah Sabaoth. You see, these are a natural reaction. They were walking by flesh and not by sight. And it's why they panicked, church. Read it yourself. The women and children wept. The fathers tried to comfort their families. A group of irate soldiers, read it for yourself, descended upon Moses and began to hurl accusations upon them. The people who were just delivered from 400 years of bondage still had no confidence in God, still had no hope in God, still had no trust in God, still had no faith in God. It's why he brought them there to develop a song in their heart. It's to develop a faith and a trust and a hope. You see, maybe they thought that that first act was just a one-time thing. But how many of you know, like I said, if God did it yesterday, He can do it again. Amen. Instead of rising up with a song of salvation in their heart, the Bible says they cried out, Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you dragged us out here to die? They said, We told you in Egypt, Moses, to leave us alone. Because we would rather be slaves in Egypt than to die out here in the wilderness. They had no song in their heart. They were grumbling and complaining against God. What you need to realize is that unfortunately in their time of testing, the people were preparing to die instead of to dance. The people were preparing to dig their own graves instead of lifting up some praise. I want you to understand instead of the the choir getting in, in a line, instead of the orchestra getting in line, instead of the band striking up a note, instead of the worshipers going forth, instead of somebody rising up facing the enemy, preparing to offer up some praise, they were preparing to die. They were preparing to be defeated instead of preparing to have some victory. Listen to me, church. You got to stop preparing to die when you face the enemy. You got to stop preparing to be defeated. You got to strike up a song. You got to strike up a dance. You got to stand to your feet and worship God in the face of your enemy. Listen, we are the children of the Most High God, and we're preparing to be defeated by Goliath. We're preparing to be defeated by the hand of the enemy. In the midst of this situation, God was just waiting for the choir to come forth, or the praise band to come forth. Someone to strike up a song on behalf of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. 
But instead, they were preparing to die. At the point of their pressing from the abundance of their heart, their mouth spoke, but their heart didn't sing. Their mouth spoke, but their heart didn't sing because they didn't have a song of salvation, because they didn't have any faith, church. In their heart, God was not their refuge. In their heart, God was not their strength. In their heart, God was not their ever-present help in a time of trouble. So flesh came forth, and fear came forth, and panic came forth instead of praise. God wants some praise to come forth from His people today, church. Amen. How many of you know that even though the people of God were faithless, God remained faithful? Even though they were weak, even though they were about to faint, God remained strong. Amen? Because as the enemy closed in, you can read it as you go through it. A pillar of fire. You know the story moved between the Israelites and moved between them and Pharaoh. In the middle of the night, church, the winds were stirred up upon the sea as Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And in the middle of their midnight situation, God began to make a way where there was no way. Amen? Because that's the kind of God that he is. Exodus 14, verse 30 through chapter 15, verse 5. It says, And thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord. And when Israel saw that great work which the Lord did, then the children of Israel sang this song. Then they sang this song. They said, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. They sang, the Lord, my uh, God, my strength, my song has now become my victory. When they crossed over, church, when they saw the great work of the Lord, then they sang, the Lord is God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The truth is, when Israel saw what happened, they broke out the tambourines. It wasn't until they saw the great work of God that they broke out in dance, that they broke out in worship, that they broke out in praise. It wasn't until after they saw the great work of the Lord that they began to magnify the Lord and sing God's praises, church. When they got to the other side of the sea, then God was their salvation. Then God was their victory. Then God was their song. Then they said, who is like unto thee, O Lord, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, and working great wonders among his people. It was a great song, church. It was a deserving song. It's a song we sing most in our lives. But the question is, what song were they singing on the stormy side of the sea? The song that they sang on the side of deliverance is the same song they should have sung on the side of difficulty. The same song they sang when they saw the enemy defeated is the same song they should have sung when they saw the enemy descending upon them. And it's the same song we must sing as well, church. It was a great song, but it's a song that must be sung in the face of our enemies. But instead, God's people sang after they saw God's great work, after they saw the great miracle, after the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea, and then they sang their song. But what song, like I said, were they singing on the other side of the sea? Where was, they, where was their song when they needed to sing it the most, church? 
You see, you and I need to understand if there's ever a time that we've got to sing a song of praise, it's when the devil comes marching in. If there's ever a time where we got to stand up firm in our faith and begin to sing hallelujah to the Lord, it's when the darkness begins to descend. It's when the storm clouds roll in. It's not the time to doubt. It's not the time to worry. It's not the time to, to, to grow depressed. That is the time that we must stand up and begin to sing, church. Like I said earlier, that's when we've got to prepare to bring forth the praises of the Lord. You see, the reality is it's easy to sing after the miracle. It's easy to sing after the provision. And listen, we should sing after the miracle. We should sing after the provision. We should sing after the promotion and after the raise and after the job becomes ours. We should sing after the surgery is successful, after the spouse comes home, after the loved one gets saved. We should sing after the the, the miraculous work of God, church. But we also need to learn how to sing on the stormy side of the sea. Amen. Amen. The reason that we need to learn to sing on the stormy side of the sea is because God inhabits the praises of his people. You see, when you grumble and complain, you're going to stand there all alone. And the power of God's not going to flow through you. It might flow ahead of you like it did with the Israelites, but it's not going to flow through you. You see, on the Red Sea, on the stormy side of the sea, there was zero power that flowed through the children of Israel. There was zero power that flowed through their lips and flowed through their mouth. It was all God's power. Nothing flowed through them. If you want your situation to change, you need to realize that God inhabits the praises of his people. And when you see the enemy coming in, that's when you need to strike up a song. What are we singing on the stormy side of the sea? What are we singing when the enemy surrounds us? Think about it, church. What are we singing when the storm sets in and the winds begin to blow? What are we singing when the iron chariots come charging against our lives or charging against our marriage or charging against our finances, church? In chapter 15 of Exodus, verses 14 to 15, after they crossed the Red Sea, then the people sang. They said, this is a miracle that will be spoken of by everyone. Everyone will know how great is our God. But how great was he when they were pinched in? How great was he when they were pressed in? How great was he when they began to grumble and complain to Moses? Why did you drag us out here? Did you bring us out here to die? How great was their God when they looked at the Red Sea and they looked at the mountain on that side and that side and they say, saw all of Pharaoh's army come marching in. How great was their God then? Amen. Amen. He was still as great, but not in their heart. In their heart, he wasn't great. In their heart, it's why they had no song. In their heart, they didn't believe and trust in God, church. The truth is, listen, there was absolutely no singing while the pillar of fire stood between. I want you to think about this. There was absolutely no singing when the children of Israel saw a pillar of fire move between them and the Egyptians. There was absolutely no singing when Moses said, look up, my children, 
And see the salvation of the Lord because the enemy you see today, you will see no more forever. When he said that, no one sang. When he said that, no one danced. When he said that, no one had faith. When he said that, there was no hope. There was no trust. There was no song. I want you to understand that no one broke out the tambourines when Moses stretched forth his rod upon the sea and the winds began to blow and the the sea began to part. There was no singing. There was no song. I want you to understand that all through the night, while God was working a miracle on behalf of his people, the Egyptian army couldn't hear a single song coming forth from the camp of Israel. Not a single song. I want you to know that as the children of Israel walked over on dry land, while their feet weren't sinking in mud, but while they were walking over on dry land, and they saw the miracle working power of God holding up the water on both sides, no one broke into dance. No one lifted up a hand. No one began to rejoice. No one began to sing, How great is our God! No one! No one sang a single song. We find ourselves in the same place today. God doing miracle work here and God doing miracle work there. And we don't have a song in our heart. As they were going across the sea, they weren't going across in faith. I guarantee you they were climbing all over one another just to get to the other side. No one was standing in faith just to get to the other side. You can understand, amen, the truth is it wasn't until after the enemy was defeated that they sang. It wasn't until after the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea that they began to rejoice. It wasn't after until they read it, saw the dead bodies begin to float up onto the shore, that something began to happen in their feet and something began to happen in their heart. Wasn't until then that they sang, the Duke shall be amazed and the mighty men of Moab will tremble and all of Canaan will melt away in fear. It wasn't until after God did his miracle working power that they began to say, what a testimony we will have among the people. Listen to me, church, in all reality, the testimony wasn't theirs. The testimony was God's. Because they had no faith and because they had no song. The testimony was God's because God said that I will deliver my people and I will defeat the enemy. God upkept his word. It was God's testimony and it was God's song to sing. See, God demonstrated his power even when his people had no faith. God demonstrated his power and poured down from heaven even when they had no song, even when their head was held low, even while they were climbing over one another in disbelief and in fear. It was God's testimony, church. The truth is Israel failed her test because she sang on the wrong side of the sea. Yes. They sang of God's deliverance and God's power after the fact like we should, church. But on the stormy side of the sea, like I said, they had no testimony. On the stormy side of the sea, they had no hope, no confidence, no faith, no trust in God. You see, understand, church, where there is no faith, there is no song. I want you to understand that where there is no faith, there is no testimony that can come forth from our lips. I want you to understand that without faith, the only thing that comes forth is complaining and grumbling and fear and doubt and panic in our lives. 
We need to remember that without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord, the Word of God says. And I want you to, amen, but I want you to know on the stormy side of the sea, the children of Israel were not pleasing to the Lord because they didn't have faith, because they didn't have a song. I want you to know God is displeased with us when we can't sing in the presence of the enemy. God grows displeased with us when we can't shout hallelujah, even when the devil is marching against us. Not hallelujah that the devil is marching, but hallelujah that I am more than a victor through Jesus Christ the Lord. A hallelujah because my God is a great and mighty God. Amen. You don't rejoice in the trouble. You rejoice in the God who's Lord over all the trouble. This is what God is trying to teach us this morning, church. How to sing on the stormy side of the sea. Our song shouldn't be based on our circumstance and situation. Our song and dance should be based on the fact that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. The Holy One of Israel. The One who goes before us and makes a way where there is no way. Amen. Listen to me, church. The truth is even the worst of doubters can sing after the storm. Even the worst of doubters can sing after the flood recedes and after the storm passes by and after the fire goes out. Even the worst of doubters can sing after they come out of the fiery furnace. God is looking for someone that can rise up and sing in the face of their enemy church. Jesus himself said in John chapter 20 verse 29, Blessed are they that believe without seeing. Blessed are they that believe without seeing. You see, the children of Israel didn't believe, church. They stood at the Red Sea and they didn't believe. It's why they couldn't sing. It's why they had no faith. It's why they had no hope in God. But what God is trying to teach us this morning is blessed are they that can, that believe without seeing. Blessed are they that'll sing without seeing. Blessed are they that'll dance without singing. Blessed are they that'll worship without singing. Blessed are they that will put their trust in God without seeing God. Blessed are they that will have confidence in God without necessarily feeling God. Blessed are they that believe without seeing, church. God's looking for some believers this morning. He's looking for some individuals that understand that all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. You see, what I believe God is looking for this morning is a song of faith. I believe what God is looking for is a song of faith, not a song of relief. We're going to look at that in just a bit. But I believe that God is looking for today is the song of Gideon, who when he had only 300 men, went to war with a song against thousands of an opposing army. You see, he only had 300 men, but he wasn't walking by sight. He was walking by faith. It's why he had a shout. It's why he had a song. He didn't look at his 300 men against 3,000 men or 4,000 men. He looked at God. He didn't look at his 300 men. He looked at the host of heaven that was marching on his behalf. And some of you this morning, listen to me, you got to Set your eyes unto the hills. You've got to look for God's army. Not your 300 men. Not the things you've got at your natural disposal. They'll all fail. But the power of God will never fail. 
Amen, church. Wants to teach us how to sing on the stormy side of the sea. Church, I can't help but think how the Lord must have longed for Gideon to rise up at the Red Sea and began to begin to sing a song of faith. I can't help but think how God must have longed for a Paul and a Silas to rise up with a midnight song of salvation in their heart. I hope you understand that this morning God is waiting for the same exact thing. He's waiting for an individual that's going to get his eyes off of their situation and their circumstance. Get their eyes onto a holy almighty God and prepare themselves to praise. And prepare themselves to sing. Prepare themselves to stand firm in their faith so that God can work through their faith and not outside of their faith. I hope you realize that God didn't need all night to part the Red Sea church. I hope you understand that he didn't need any extra time to dry up some seabed. I hope you understand that he didn't need four hours, five hours, or eight hours to work his miracle working power on behalf of his people. He could have dried up that seabed in an instant. He could have driven back those waters in an instant. He could have brought those mountains low in an instant. He could have caused that pillar of fire to disintegrate all of Pharaoh's armies in an instant. But I want you to understand that God allowed this time of difficulty to come upon their lives because he was waiting for someone to rise up with a song. It took six hours and he kept on waiting. Is it Gideon going to rise up? Is a Paul or Silas going to rise up? Is my choir going to rise up? Is my praise team going to rise up? Is someone going to run to the drums? Is someone going to pick up a guitar? Is someone... Going to praise my name. That's why. Amen, church. God was waiting for a song of faith to come forth, church. He was waiting for a midnight song of salvation to echo through the chaos, church. He was waiting for a worshiper to arise. He was waiting for his sons and his daughters to sing like we sang just a little while ago, church. If only Israel had remembered The miracles God had wrought for them in Egypt. If at the Red Sea, at this moment of their testing, if only they had trusted his word, that he would carry them like a father carries a child in his arms. That was his promise to his people, and they forgot it. If only, church, listen, if only one in a million people would have bowed down and worshipped. There's a million and a half people standing at the Red Sea, and I wonder what would have happened if one individual bent the knee And began to sing, oh God, I worship you. Oh God, I magnify you. Oh God, you are my deliverer. You're my hope. You're my ever-present help in a time of trouble. I wonder what would have happened if someone would have put their hope and their confidence in God. I wonder what would have happened if only a handful of people would have lifted up some praise. I wonder what would have happened, church, if only a portion of his people would have began to sing, the name of the Lord is a strong child. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. I wonder what would have happened if they would have said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. The name of the Lord is our strong tower. The righteous run into it. They are saved. The name of the Lord is our strong tower. The righteous run Listen, I'm just letting the Holy Spirit flow here. This isn't part of where I was going. But I want a song to rise up from among God's people this morning. I want to give some time for some praise in the house of God. I want to give some time for a worshiper to arise in the ranks of His people. I got a whole bunch of stuff that I could, that I could use to take up our time. But I'm not going there, church, because God is simply looking for a worshiper. Here's what I want you to understand. Some of you are facing a giant this morning. Some of you are facing an enemy this morning. Some of you got the hounds of hell racing in behind you. And God is wondering this morning if a worshiper will arise. He's wondering if his sons and his daughters will sing. The greatest way for you to put the devil to flight is by singing a song while you're facing him. You see, if only, if only they would have turned and looked at the enemy and sang a song of salvation. It's my belief, church. I, I know it's not theological. But it's my belief that if they would have began to sing that praise, somebody would have turned tail and run back to Egypt. Don't wait until you see the dead bodies up on the shore. Don't wait until the horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. Don't wait, church. God wants us to bring forth some praise. And here's all I'm asking. If you're willing to step out in faith and make this a riverbed of faith this morning, whether it's the aisle or whether it's here, God, I'm stepping out in faith. And I'm going to stand firm and believe, church, that you're going to wrought a miracle on my behalf. And I want you to do it through my faith. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to take the time to just magnify the Lord. If you step out in faith, God, this is a sign of my faith, my trust, my hope, my confidence in you. Just sing. Come on, church. Take your way. Sing.
of the Red Sea against the crossing of the Jordan in chapter 4 you'll find one great difference and that difference was faith church and the people crossed the Red Sea they did so without faith they did so without hope without confidence without any trust in the Lord God Jehovah but when the people crossed the Jordan the Bible says they stepped out in faith they stepped out on what God said and not on what they saw and this morning you got to get your eyes off of what you've been seeing. You got to get your eyes off of what the devil's just trying to run through your mind right now. You see, God's just trying to break through right now. Some of you have yet to let loose. Some of you have yet to let God just do a miracle work in your life. At the Jordan, they stepped out onto a swollen, rushing riverbed by faith. And listen. When they did, the river was pushed back all the way to the city of Adam, 16 miles away. How many of you need to push back some water this morning? Come on, we're going to sing something else and let God oh, look push what back the, the Lord water. Has done. Oh, look what the Lord has done. He finished crossing over the Jordan God told them to collect 12 stones from the center of the river and they were to put them up where they were about to camp as a sign as a testimony to the great working power of God but listen those stones were not just going to serve as a testimony of God's power they were going to serve as a testimony of the people's faith as well and God told them to do that because God said at some point your sons and your grandsons and your daughters and your granddaughters are going to walk this way. They're going to see these stones and they're going to ask, what are they for? What do these stones represent? Listen to me. Those individuals that broke forth in faith that day can say those stand there as a symbol of our faith and God's power. You see... We got some people that need to see someone rise up with faith. We got some sons and daughters and individuals that need to see a testimony of faith in God. They need to see someone sing a song of faith and not just a song of relief that God finally brought me through. We're going to sing one more song and we're going to let that be our testimony of faith 
that God is going to take my situation and He's going to wash it away. Push it back all the way to the city of Adam. Amen? One more time. There is power, power, this morning, God, that we got some individuals that were willing to rise up in faith, trusting you with their difficulty, trusting you with their trial, trusting you with their tribulation, with their sadness or their storm. I pray, God, this morning that it would just be the beginning of a miracle that you're trying to wrought in their lives. God, give them patience while they're in the storm. Help them to understand, God, that you are trying to fashion and form them, God, that you're trying to build them up in the most high faith. That you're trying to develop confidence and trust and hope in their lives. I pray that as we go, we would go with a song in our hearts, oh God. That we would go with a dance in our feet and a clap in our hands and a song upon our lips. We give you the praise and we give you the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord to sing us out? Amen.